This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Don't ask me why I drink. Don't ask me why I drink. Don't ask me why I drink. Reasons worse than you Hi, and welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous Radio Show, here on the Plains FM 96.9. My name is Pete, and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk about alcoholism and what it is and what can AA do to help. Then we will interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. AA preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So, what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease. It's not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease, though, is it will do whatever it can to convince you that you don't have it. However, once it has a hold on you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you are at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown that this is to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. 
Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognize it and admit that they actually have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body, coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will be able to stop. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, these same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety, one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping others and hopeless alcoholics who can achieve a long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains 96.9 FM. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest this evening. Uh, hello, my name is Trevor, and I'm alcoholic. Hi, Trevor. Great to have you here. Great Thank to have you. you here. Trevor, can you just um, introduce yourself a little bit more and just give us a quick sketch of, of who you are? You know, first of all, how old are you? Yeah, I'm 49 years old. Great. Yeah, and um, I'm actually, I was actually brought up in the country. Um, I'm a country boy here, yeah, born and bred, and... Uh, so part of my story, yeah, uh, I actually really did got brought up on a farm, a uh, dairy farm. I actually did have a pretty good upbringing and uh, went to a small country school where it was pretty easy to be feel top dog. So I went through life, I got up to probably my early teens and probably had a few drinks with the hay carters um, in, the, in, the, in the summertime. And I didn't, the first time I touched drink, I didn't think, wow, this is magic. It was just pretty sort of cool thing to do. And uh, as I got a little bit more through my teens, you worked hard and uh, you deserved a beer, is the way it kind of was. Played a fair bit of sport. I really feel that saved me a bit, really, because um, you sort of didn't want to let your team down and I didn't want to look bad on the field, so I kind of kept things under control a bit and I had responsibilities and I uh, so that that was okay but it was really what where things went started to change a wee bit for me got to about 18 and my parents split up and uh, and I was the only one left at home had three older siblings and I felt there was a lot of focus on me to find out what was going on and that so I felt pressure there and dealing with life on life's terms just wasn't part of the script and I didn't have acceptance for that and I would probably binge drink a little bit 
So let's just talk about that just a minute and say, so you talked about your drinking. So so when did you actually start drinking and how did it progress for you? I would start drinking weekends on a Saturday after sport, after rugby. Yeah, and that was about it. Then when I got into when I was 18 and start had a girlfriend and would be going out to nightclubs, yeah, it was all I would be driving, and, and I wouldn't. I'd always, I couldn't have enough drinks because you know that's against the law. You can't drink and drive at that point in time. That was going on in my head at that point in time. So, uh, got into my twenties. Was married at twenty-two, and then uh, had children at twenty-five. I'd have bouts of depression would come on, worry. Am I going to be good enough to bring these kids up, etc.? Anyway, then I had because I had responsibilities. I had a business um, in in the rural sector, and I had responsibilities, so I had to work, and I couldn't go out, and I couldn't drink every day, um, and that's kind of saved me really. Things so you can see yourself more of a of a binge drinker. Yeah, would have been. I would have gone out, hit it at a party somewhere and that would have scared me off for a while yeah, yeah scared me off for a while but in time on life what happened is there was some major things especially got to 31 years old and my mother was diagnosed with terminal cancer mm. and that was a real big thing obviously yep. so what I did was I couldn't deal with those feelings and I drank a little bit more and a little bit more. As things progressed on, um, I drank more and I had to drink more to get the effect. Then I just existed. Right, yep, yep, I can relate to that. So when did you, th- did you think that you felt that you had a problem with alcohol? I definitely knew that I had a problem um, deep down inside me was when my marriage split up my alcoholism was on hold I got cashed up with half the value of a house and I went out in 2007 with a blast I had no plan every day was going to be a drinking day and did you ever try to stop yourself the only time I stopped was when I got a drink driving conviction poor me poor me I'll never ever do that again and and I did. I could stay. I could stop, but I could not stay stopped. Right. So with your drinking, um, did you lose jobs, relationships? You talked about your marriage, obviously, um, family, friends, that type of thing. All those people. Yeah, things really did change um, after about two years of drinking. Uh, I had my business. Then I just stopped turning up to my business. Really, I just walked away from it. Why go to work when I've got a whole lot of money at that point? At that point in time, sitting in the bank, that was where it was insanity. And and I had no plan. I'm just going to drink. Life had treated me bad in the past. What's the point? And I had that that obsession was in the mind. So. It all come down in a screaming heat by the time of my third drink driving con- conviction, and I ended up in hospital. And I was, a, say, care of the state, really. 
and then I went back home and started drinking again after not drinking for about six or seven weeks under lock and key pretty much and uh, but what did happen is eventually alcohol stopped working I felt miserable I didn't have hardly anything to do with my children I didn't have hardly anything to do with any of my family I felt ashamed I had I'd gone from a five bedroom house brand new house to a leaky old hut out in the country that was riddled with rat and my shit there was a possum that was crashing around the roof and a rat slamming around in the roof and uh and I was broken. Yep. Yeah, I was yep, broken. I totally understand. Can, can I just go back a little bit and just, just talk about, you know, you talked about originally that you were more of a social drinker. Did that progress for you in any way? Was it, uh, was, did it become daily? Did you become a lone drinker? I think I drank about in every type of way, really. At times I would binge, but then it, then really like in the, once I started drinking, I couldn't stop, and it was just a daily thing of topping up, topping up. Um, the reins got pulled in on me around the, for the, with the local police. They just barred me from certain places, so then I had to travel further. Hmm. So how did you feel in yourself? Um, did you find there was a decline in your mental thinking, your emotional and your spiritual ways? Absolutely. I was spiritually bankrupt. Uh, my self-esteem was very low, and uh, I just really didn't know what to do to stay alive. I really believe it was actually deep down the love that I actually still had remained for my three children. Yeah, which leads me to ask you, at this point, how did you find your way to your first AA meeting? What happened is I, I hadn't drunk for about nine months, and I my time had st- had come up where I was in emergency housing, and I went out and I saw this old hut, and the fog had lifted, and I looked at my life through a magnifying glass and thought, oh my goodness! So I scurried on quick and smart back to Salvation Army, which I felt wasn't good enough for me a few days before and was pleading for them to take me so the first AA meeting I went to was right next door to the Salvation Army I was told that I may never have to take another drink ever after that first meeting and what was that first meeting like for you Trevor? it was bliss I was attracted by the transformation of a long time member by how he had transformed his life into someone beyond my belief. He, he attracted me because he was funny. I hadn't laughed for nine months. I hadn't smiled for nine months. I walked out of that meeting uplifted and wanted and desired to keep coming back. Great, yep very much so so the people treated you well you felt that you fitted in those sort of things absolutely like I found my niche yeah I belonged I found another type of family 
and extension. Mm. And uh, that that relationship that I built with those initial people has mirrored how I really, or has shown me the way of rebuilding the family which I now associate again with today. Great. Yep. So how have you managed to stay sober? And I haven't asked you this, how long have you been sober, Drew? I will turn six on the 1st of October. Good on you. One day at a time. Absolutely. That's all I'm given. Daily reprieve. Exactly, yep. And so, as I said, how, how have you managed to stay, stay sober? And how have you found the, the process of recovery? To be honest, um, I found it pretty damn okay, actually, because... I believe because I'd actually stayed off it long enough for, for whatever reason I was ready to soak up a lot of good stuff and by continually attending meetings AA meetings and sitting and listening I built up patience, tolerance and acceptance but it opened my mind up to others' opinions where I was prepared whatever situation I was in to learn of people that had chosen perhaps careers to help recovering alcoholics I'd learned a new way of behaving a new way to respond to situations that used to baffle me I needed AA to prepare me to learn I didn't know how to learn I had nervousness and but how did how has AA been able to help you cope with those difficulties? It has given me confidence, and it has built up my self-esteem because I've been given esteemable acts to do, like be a secretary of an AA meeting, which was the first meeting I went to. Um, I have gained credibility where I wasn't credible at a point in time. Mm. I've become responsible because I've been given responsibility and trusted. That is what AA has given me, the placement in the position to learn and actually achieve those things which I had once lost. Yep. So, so you talked about secretary, so obviously just going to ask you this question service is a big part of your recovery do you think absolutely and it's been great this week i feel extra special (laughs) but yes uh it's it's made use my adventures before aa it's made use of those adventures because what i've learned to keep me sober I, ha- I can share those experiences to, with others that are still suffering and then share with them how it is for me today. Now that's where I have a worth in it. Yeah, I totally, I totally understand that and get that from you. Um, I know you've, you've talked a little bit about this while we've been talking, but you know, I'd really like you now to, to describe what life is like for you now sober coming up the time that you are um, 
how is life for you today? Well, it's pretty, it's pretty sweet and it's pretty smooth. It was pretty darn bumpy. Um, the storm has passed. So if I can talk about restoring in the family afterwards where I did not have a relationship with my children. Well, how that has changed is um, firstly um, just some of the wee highlights. I met my eldest son who's 24 and it was on Valentine's Day and he, his response was to me was, Dad, I've got two dates today and you're the first one. And he put his hand out, to, I put my hand out to shake his hand and he gave me a hug. Mm, and that's cool. pretty damn cool. Yeah. Um, and then there's my daughter. You know, she said when she become a teenager, she said, Dad, I may be a teenager, but I'll still always be your little girl. Mm. That's pretty damn good. Um, my middle son. He's pretty clever, but we have good conversations. And uh, actually, I have informed conversations now. I learn, I've learned to listen. And uh, all my, my three children are all uniquely different. And I've learned that um, <clears throat> by being among yeah, members around AA, different ages, that's helped me relate to them by listening to these other people lots. That's been very really valuable. Yeah, and, I, and I'm getting from you the, the preciousness of what you've got back with your family and children is obviously a very, very important part of your life. Absolutely. And that's amazing. I couldn't stop drinking because of them, but I damn well want to stay stopped because the relationship that I have. Trevor, it's been amazing talking to you tonight and I really appreciate that you've come into the show and you're sharing where you are now, where you've been thank you so much we really appreciate It's a privilege to be here and this opportunity, thank you So for our listeners if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like to have some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous you can look us up on the web at www.aa org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are 66 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it is likely there is one near you. So join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5:30 on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesdays at 12:30 p.m. You can find podcasts of all of our past shows on the Plains FM website and at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download and subscribe to podcasts on iTunes. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that is your business. But if you want to stop, we can help you. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with the Serenity Prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, 
and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? You've been out riding fences for so long now. Oh, you're a hard one, but I know that you got your reasons. These things that are pleasing you can hurt you somehow. Don't you draw the queen of diamonds, boy She'll beat you if she's able You know the queen of hearts is always your best bet Now it seems to me some fine things Have been laid upon your table But you only want the ones that you can't get Desperado Oh, you ain't getting no young Your pain and your hunger They're driving you home And freedom, oh freedom Well, that's just some people talking Your prison is world all alone Don't your feet get cold in the wintertime The sky won't snow and the sun won't shine It's hard to tell the nighttime the day